The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself the Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thank you so much once again for listening. Uh, give us five stars and review on all of the things on uh, Spotify, on you know iTunes Store, uh, fucking on overcast. the bathroom stall wall next to yeah. Matt's mom's phone number. Yeah, exactly. Get yeah. my mom's phone number. Have sex with it. Just the number, not mm-hmm. the mom, and then plaster it on uh, the school bathroom wall and say, also, I really like pot yourself a gun. Uh, that's why I had sex with Matt's mom. And uh, I want to thank everyone who came out, of course, to the um, live pod yourself a gun that we did over at SF Sketch Fest. That was uh, a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, I know that we enjoyed recording it. And so much. Soon. That's the latest I've been up in like pfft, I know. I don't know. Years. Yeah, that was uh that was I thought a ten o'clock show. I was like, that's nothing. That's basically the same as an eight. Nope. I was fried. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, but it was really fun and uh we're you know very excited for uh more live shows soon to come. So we'll we'll let you guys know about that. Um all right, today. We're going to be talking about from season two, episode four of The Wire Hard Cases. Mm. And our guest today mm, is uh, just a fantastic guest. You know her from being on Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos <laughs> podcast. You also know her from her own wonderful podcast, Ethnically Ambiguous. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, our guest today is Shireen Lana Eunice. Hi, it's me. Hey. Hi. Thanks Thank for, you for coming intro. on. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have you back on one of our various rewatch podcasts and uh, yeah, to, ta- to talk about The Wire, which yes. is a great, a great show. Do you like The Wire? I do like The Wire. I watched it as an adult, like, like, you know how, I don't know, you grow up not watching anything and then like you hit your mid, your early 20s and you're like, I'm going to watch everything I never watched before. And that right, was yeah, like The yeah. Sopranos no. and The Wire for me. Those yeah, are the really. TV years. Right. Ain't no parents going to tell me how to live my life. And then you're just eating candy and watching The Wire. And you're like, is this all? Is this it? (laughs) Sometimes I think that like, uh, you know, when I was really young, I enjoyed watching TV a lot. And I was I always felt bad about it. And then uh, because it's like they teach you that TV is like bad for you. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm like full grown. 
and I uh, I still watch a lot of TV. And you still feel bad about it? And at this point, I'm like, well, what else is there? Yeah, well, now I, I'm like another level of that where I'm yelling. That's your job. I'm yelling at my large stepson. Hey, get off that YouTube. My large and watch uh, watch some TV. This is this this <laughs> these internet videos are bullshit. They're, those are gonna rot your brain. Watch them. Watch regular TV. That's what I do. <laughs> He, what he means by large stepson is that he's uh, full grown, or he's what? He's eleven. Uh, how old, how old is he? He's uh, he'll be ten in uh, April, but he's he's uh, not even ten. He's a big dude. He's large. His his shoe size is bigger than his age, which is <laughs> not large. Like he's not. You're not saying he's overweight. He is like no, he's just a big, large. Yeah, he I looks like he's large. Is funny to say large stepson. <laughs> That's, is that fair? <laughs> My beautiful large stepson. Listen, it does sound my like my dream oh. for all of you, the l- listeners, is that you could one day be happily married in Fresno with a toddler son and a large stepson. Wow, a dream. He's a really nice kid, you know. He is, but yeah, he is. Uh, he's. I did not know he's older than my nephew, or he's younger than my nephew, and my my nephew is not. He's not as large. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I wasn't just like trying to, you know, that's just, that's just, that just a fact. Uh, uh, hey, Shireen. <laughs> <laughs> Get it back on any, track, Matt. Yeah, I'm there. You got any uh, large, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, do you like, so you like The Wire. Um, I do. What, what, what do you, what do you love about The Wire? Like what, is there, uh, do you have a favorite character or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we touched on this briefly before we we hit the red button uh, record, yeah. and uh, the wire was my introduction to Idris Elba, yeah. and uh, I I just I'm obsessed with Stringer Bell. His character is so, I mean it, it is Idris Elba, but just like his character is very really fascinating to me, like how he goes to community college and like all this stuff. I just loved his character yeah. so much, and uh, he's the highlight of the wire just because. I don't know. I mean, he's because he's, he's hot, but he's also an interesting. He's a multi-dimensional character. Yeah, and I, uh, I remember it was like midway through watching it, or like maybe when I like season one, I looked it up and realized he wasn't American, and it blew my mind. And yeah, uh, and then then he blew up in general. So um, it wasn't like, yeah. That. He's probably got the. I mean, out of it, everyone in the wire, he's the one who became the most famous, right? Like yeah. who else? I guess Michael K. Williams, but I mean, easily, K. easily Idris Elba, like not even yeah. close. Yeah, yeah, because he's like a a movie star now. Like he is like a a, a leading man in Hollywood. He's in Marvel is, shit, isn't he? He's in Marvel shit. He was in Beast, the one where the lion was going after him. I do think that like, he doesn't get good casting most of the time. Like, yeah. I don't think people actually like his. I think he needs better agents or some shit because he deserves better roles, in my opinion. I, you know, I, I agree. I guess I've yet to actually see a movie with him in it that I've been like, that was good, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Like, Beast was probably the closest to being mm-hmm. good, but mostly because I was like, I like a really stupid movie about yeah. lion lion chase family scary lion watch out he's he's scary that movie was terrible oh. couldn't even see movie. the lion i mean show me the lion no, i couldn't even tell lion. what was happening the lion going that. after him yeah um i mean i feel well, like I, idris elba 
forgot how to do an american accent after uh the wire because like you see him in stuff now and it's very obvious that he's british really maybe he just is not trying anymore yeah i made it something Uh, yeah, he I, he definitely gave up on the accent, which I think is fine because yeah. it is he he did such a great job doing it on the wire that I almost feel like he's uh, it's like he wants to a little bit let people know that um, he's he's not fully invested in Beast. He's like, <laughs> guys, yeah. I know I'm in the scary lion movie. Well, also, it's a movie where they go to like South Africa where he met. Uh, his fiance or some shit and yeah. for some reason they chose to make him American like he could have just been British <laughs> he could, like he that's what I always say like with these guys that can't do accents one line of dialogue and we're like we're with you we get it yeah yeah mm-hmm. one matter. line just yeah. like uh, you know don't worry fucking... darling oh my mom's oh, from <laughs> London oh yeah why Boom. do that that's oh, I hate that fucking movie um, but <laughs> fans of Idris Elba fans of Idris Elba should watch Luther, I I, I watched mm. Luther after I watched The Wire because of Interstellar. I've heard good things about Luther because yeah. he plays a British guy, right? Exactly. Wonderful. <laughs> See, I, I'm down. I'm down for, and it's a TV show. Yes, two for it two. It's a TV show. <laughs> you, yeah. you what like is Luther it? about? I've never. I, I, He's I, like I, a... I've only seen posters, and it's about him being hot. <laughs> yes, and it's like kind of like a Sherlock vibe. He's like oh. this like person that figures shit out, and he's like a detective doing it. Yeah. That's Does he say <laughs> Luther or do people go, oh, it's Luther? You know, I, I, I can't remember hey, the exact Luther. pronunciation now that I'm Oh, you got to call Luther. They and then people but, uh, get confused because they think you're talking about the, the shower thing that exfoliates. Right. And it's like, oh, Luther, what's he going to do? Exfoliate me? Oh, yeah, what's he going to do? Make my skin <laughs> soft like a baby? <laughs> yeah. Anyways. There's that joke. <laughs> Uh, but this is not a podcast about Luther. No, this is a The Wire podcast. And we, of course, cannot start the show without first playing the theme song. When you pod the garden, you get a pod. When I pick your pod, walk the street podcast. Trail. The docks. You gotta keep the Polish pod down in the hole. Season two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, today we're gonna be talking about, like I said before, from season two of The Wire, episode four, Hard Cases. And uh, this episode premiered June 22nd, 2003. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that straight from IMDb synopsis? A bunch of stuff happens and it's all pretty great. That's right. Wow. Thank you. Really? You knocked yourself out on that one. Yeah, did yourself. You know, okay. So we just had a live show. I did so much prep for that, that uh, <laughs> there was like all these like little things that I usually fill in. And I was just like, I don't got time. I'm, I'm going to And clip, then you clip. brought me on for the episode that you're just like, eh, I'm going to phone it in. It, it wasn't, but is that not, what you did, Matt? No, it's not what I did. What it ended up that way. I'm not phoning it in, by the way. I have, I've, I've done Listen, a lot of Nikki work. Nikki gets caught. Daniels gets a detail. And mm-hmm. McNulty gets uh, it's so annoying. I don't gets, know. He gets rejected. Uh, gets yeah. McNulty 
uh, find, uh, talks to Russian lady. Mm, is she right. Russian or? I assumed she was like Russian I she or was Polish. Polish. No, but she could have been Polish. But isn't the, that was the whole point. I thought the no? girl was Hungarian, no? Or were just her oh, breast oh my implants God, were Hungarian. We're so fucking ignorant. <laughs> yeah, it was her breast implants. All of their breast implants were Hungarian, but that they we still don't know where they're from. Right. But we yeah, know yeah. that the writing is, what is it called? A- acrylic? Cyrillic. Cyrillic. That's the one. <laughs> acrylic. Acrylic. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Your guys are Get done, not me. Lee press on alphabet. Mm-hmm. You shit all over yourself. Okay, uh, so <laughs> soundboard. But Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode came out? That's right, Matt. In order to, uh, we can't evaluate art divorced from mm-hmm. its cultural context. We need to put Absolutely. some of that context back in, and when we do that with a little thing we like to call the "Remember When" machine. It's the back in the day machine. We a little something we call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day. Machine tells the tale, son. Yeah. Yeah, we're going all the way back to 22nd of June, 2003. Mm. Uh, you know, Prince William, he had hair and he was <laughs> only 21 years old. Damn. Uh, he bal- when did he start balding? Because it was early. It was pretty early, yeah. I mean, I'm glad he had hair at 21 because yeah. that's a hard time to be a bald kid. Yeah. I knew a bald kid in high school. Yeah. Did you guys have bald kids in high sure. school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was like <laughs> maybe not full bald, but it was very obvious. No, but it was, it was clear. It yeah. was like. Was he bald and- or balding? Balding, balding. Okay. It was like. Yes. It was like you could see where he was letting the hair grow out and where mm-hmm. the hair refused to you know yeah. it's like the long you know the, when you have that long stringy hair and you're like wow that's that's very thin very mm-hmm. thin indeed and yeah. um he he became a lawyer so i think it he, yeah, I mean, he doesn't fine. have a real job come on <laughs> yeah uh headline it's not true that i don't want to be the king says william Prince William, who had his coming-of-age party at Windsor Castle last night. In fact, I just can't wait to be king. (laughs) (laughs) Will not carry out regular official duties until he graduates from St. Andrews University in two years. He said that he was already addressing his future, with the Queen providing much of his inspiration. I think particularly nowadays, the monarchy plays a very important role. You only have to look at my grandmother and see the amazing things she's done. I think of the Queen first and foremost as my grandmother, and to me that's important. She's a huge yeah. role model for me. I like she's me nan, yeah? And I like that she rules the country, ain't it? But also, she's me nan, yeah? She'll give me butterscotch candy. You guys interpret anyway. his voice so differently than each of you. <laughs> and Vincent's I mean, mouth became this weird shape when he was yeah, talking I, in a British accent. That was that was enjoyable. He makes it real little. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, no. lip, yeah? Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You know what I feel bad because it's like um you know like it just Elba Obviously, he worked so hard, and so many British actors work so, so hard to do the perfect American accent. You mm-hmm. got Hugh Laurie being house, like, perfect, you Damian know? Damien Lewis, yeah. Damien, yeah. But then you've got <laughs> Americans, and we're just like, oh, it's me, Mr. King Queen, yeah. <laughs> Shine your boots. <laughs> yeah. That's got to suck. 
Uh, other news that was going on, uh, Lennox Lewis retained his heavyweight title. Mm. Uh, he he TKO'd Vitaly Klitschko uh, oh, yeah. Doctor stopped the fight means. because of cuts, cool. even though Klitsch- Klitschko was winning on all three judges' scorecards at the time. It's a technical knockout, That's meaning right. like they, they... I don't know what that means. That's about it. Like, oh. Those names were... were, were Lennox Lewis... Well, and, they were two boxers. Yeah. Uh, so Lennox Lewis is this big, big, beefy boxer. Um, he's a black guy from America. A large and, boxer? He's a black guy from yeah, uh, Canada. Actually, what? but yeah, and he's like, he's he Canadian. A, yeah, Canadian. He's Canadian British. He speaks with a British accent. Actually, oh wow. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I just assumed. I assume that every black boxer is from America because uh, no. I don't watch boxing. <laughs> yeah, um, Lennox Lewis Klitschko, was the exception that proved the rule. Okay, but yeah. Klitschko is a Russian guy. He's Ukrainian, oh. I believe. He's All actually right. you know, well, Matt, the you mayor of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think he's actually the mayor of Kiev these days. I can't wait. Is that Vitaly really? or wait, Vladimir? You're... I can't remember which Klitschko. Yeah, yeah, mayor. yeah. Google it. <laughs> Google it live. Uh, Vitaly, yeah. Vitaly's the mayor of Kiev. Wow. Oh. So yeah, but that's badass. He's come a long yeah. way since getting uh, TKO'd by Lennox Lewis. I, w- I think I watched that fight, which is weird because I don't think I've ever said those words. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking Klitschko was was kicking his ass, but then his face got all cut up. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. But, you know, boxing, um, it's a violent sport. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. It's the sweet yep. science, though. Huh? What? what does that mean? That's what they call it, the sweet science. Who calls it that? Who calls it that? That's just and what why? it's called. It's like and what baseball's like America's national pastime. They call boxing the sweet science. What's sweet yeah. about it? Explain. And what's science about it? I don't do. I don't know. What do I look like? The fucking mayor of boxing? I didn't make it up. It's just what they call it. Because it's like what's... science, and it's like sweet when you punch a guy in the face. But like no, but what? But you yeah, need I to know agree. science, science to know about where, it? when his know face is going to be uncovered All right. to hit it. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Okay, okay, Let's... okay. Next, next. Yeah, what next, else is happening? Uh, well, these I saved the depressing stories for last, but these Fun. two stories oh, no. were right next to each other on a front page, and I thought they were. It was telling that they're right next to each other. Uh, one story: U.S. seizes top secret records in Baghdad. U.S. soldiers acting on a tip seized code equipment and piles of top secret Iraqi intelligence documents in a raid Saturday on a community center. The find, including references to a nuclear program, is being Hell sent yeah. to senior fish, uh, senior intelligence analysts to look for more information on Iraq's banned weapons programs. Uh, see, Americans, see, they found them. Yeah, we found they it. They found a weapon of mad destruction. <laughs> Americans also are mounting a quote very aggressive effort to follow up on information from a captured top aide to Saddam Hussein that the former Iraqi president is alive. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he wow. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so pff, nuclear that's program, a that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, That'll definitely all pan out to be something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. like literally right next to the story, uh, Iraqis curse silver bullet. Depleted uranium weapons help defeat Saddam, but doctors blame them for skyrocketing cancer and birth defects. Yikes. Uh, uh, it starts that's with an anecdote about a 20-year-old woman with a Big old with a basketball sized tumor that has overtaken her lower back. Uh, Dr. Jawad Ali, head of the hospital's oncology unit, said cancer cases such as Rahim skyrocketed in southern Iraq after the 1991 Persian Gulf War. The most recent conflict has raised fears that yet another wave of illness could be caused by radioactive contamination. 
Uh, DU, Ali said simply. DU has depleted uranium, the dense metal used by U.S. tanks, fighting vehicles, and aircraft to pierce and destroy armor. U.S. forces used 320 tons of DU munitions in the Gulf War and more in the spring invasion. Uh, but DU is radioactive, and Iraqis blame it for their mysteriously soaring rates of cancer and birth defects. Jesus. So um, is that one of the reasons we're like, well, they definitely got a nuclear program because we... <laughs> We, we hit them with a lot of depleted uranium <laughs> during the Gulf War, and uh, I'm sure they turned that shit into fucking bombs. Yeah. is that Was that part of the, the thinking there? No, I don't think that was part of the thinking. Okay, well, I still think that's, that's, a, that's I feel like that's more long-term thinking than uh, anybody did on the way into that. That's true. Everyone was just like, they gotta have something. Yeah. And they did. People. What are your thoughts on the Iraq war? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> pass. <laughs> but anyway, so that's, uh, yeah, that's been the remember, uh, sorry, the, that's been the back in the day machine. It sure has been, Vince. And um, well, so like I said, um, because of the live show that we did uh, and all my preparation that I did for it, I, I don't actually have a song, a parody song this week for uh, this episode of The Wire but like, um, do you guys like what song would you have me do if if you could, you know, if, like what's a good song for this episode? You think? Mm. I I immediately uh, googled boat songs, uh, oh, okay. songs about boats, <laughs> and <laughs> what, I've chosen one. I've chosen one. It's "Come Sail Away" by Styx. Mm. Come um, sail away by Styx. You got it. That's that's that'll be the song. I was gonna say Mambo what? Number Five, but I just I always say that. Oh, that's fun. Mambo Number Five. Mm -hmm. You think this is a? You've, this feels like a, a Mambo Number Listen, Five episode. I, everything seems like a Mambo Number Five episode to me, but uh, you right, know well, that's can, like can one I of those you when you got a hammer, of, everything of, looks like a nail of, kind of situations. Mm -hmm. Like. Um, when you got Mambo number five, what else do you need? True. Yeah. Can I read you the, the lyrics of Come Sail Away that really like uh, cemented the song for me? Sure. Great. We lived happily ever after. Nope, that's not what it says. We lived happily forever. So the story goes. But somehow we missed out on the pot of gold. But we'll mm. try best that we can to carry on. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You think that's like McNulty? There's something there. That, that's like Sabatka, and mm, you know, yeah, yeah they're chasing this they, the money, money, money. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to you know keep their their way of life alive vis-a-vis mm -hmm. sailing away with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come yeah. sail away, come, come sail, sail away. away, come sail the docks away with me. Did not the know there were other lyrics until I looked it up. To be honest. It doesn't it start out like I'm sailing away. That's yeah. exactly how it starts. Okay, yeah, I know that song. That's a good one too. <laughs> a little bit of Greeks in my life. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I just do one. <laughs> um all right. Well let's get into today's story. Um it's hard cases, uh, you know, and 
in this episode, we've got a little bit of Omar looking for the girl's name. A little bit of, wait, no, a little bit of Jimmy looking for the girl's name. A little bit of Tillman getting caught with drugs. A little bit of Jimmy. No, wait. A little bit. <laughs> hard to do on off the top. A little bit of Ziggy buying a coat. A little bit of Nicky meeting his dad. A little bit of horse refusing to cooperate with the investigation. <laughs> a lot of things happen in this right. episode. Yeah, you, good job. Yeah, you covered a lot there. That was bum, good. Bum, bum, bum. Um, yeah, this uh, is an episode in which they, they call it hard cases. And I think there's a double meaning there. Uh, we're referring to number one, the case of all the dead girls in the can. It's that's mm-hmm. a lot of hard cases. That's hard, yeah. And um, also hard case, you know, describing a like a person who's like kind of like stubborn or hard mm-hmm. ass yeah. or insolent. Yeah. And um, and I think that's a lot of people in this. We have you know, horse is a hard case. Uh, Bunk and Freeman, they're hard cases in that they are going to continue harassing all of the union boys over this. Um, See, I would think I was thinking the hard case was was the was the girls that they're they're trying to solve a hard case there. Well, right. They, that's yeah. but now I'm doing double meanings. Oh, okay. You know, you know when you call someone a hard case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why so, it's a double meaning. Well, you're doing the other meaning. That's we get it. Yeah, and then Daniels and Greggs, they're uh, hard cases in that, I mean, at least to their wives who are mad that they're being dragged back into police work despite in- promising to become lawyers. And then also uh, Ziggy and Nikki's dads are hard, hard cases. I think and every character is a hard. Can you think of one yeah, character is, that is not a hard case? There yeah. is one. I think it's BD. No, uh, B.D. Russell is... is yeah, is, she's a softie. She's nice. She's, she's a soft like the, touch. She's the first person on the wire, I think, that, um, like, I think is the audience representative character. You know, the one who you're just like, oh, yeah, I, uh, this this is a person totally, who gets... Dude, the, so many single moms watching The Wire, just... No, <laughs> no, what I mean <laughs> is that, like, the one who's just like watching in awe as they see you know kind of behind the curtain mm-hmm. of any police investigation is a bunch of uh fat lazy cops who are refusing to do the job and uh that is i think um it's fun to watch because you we find out in this episode a little Which, bit of by the way that's bi- true of every beauty. profession oh of course yeah. but you know like uh, we find out that BD took this job because she used to be a, a toll booth worker and she saw like a, mm. a posting that said, be a port cop. And she was like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> Which, well, yeah exactly. What'd you do before that? I took tolls from people at the Fort McHenry Tunnel, which I'm happy to say wasn't nearly as much fun. May 22-5, went home tired every night till I walked by the office bulletin board one night, read the dot job posting. Port Authority officers, Schedule 1, starting at 33 with benefits. <laughs> Told taking days over, huh? Father of my two kids went to Houston in 99. Hasn't so much as called in three years. I wasn't going to make it on 22.5. Not with kids, I wasn't. Did you want to be a police? Dude, that it, it it makes a lot of sense. For some reason, I think uh, you think that like, like who, how does one become a cop? Like who makes that choice to to be a cop? I mean, they make and, it sound pretty easy. 
Well, right. Yeah, no. Once once you you know, I think if you if you work at a toll booth, being a cop sounds pretty sick. You're like, oh, that's good. It's like it's there like being times a, doing my job that being a cop sounds pretty sick. But yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... Don't say that. Just being, you can't say that, Vince. Yeah, you're not allowed to say that. Sorry. Uh, just, I mean, you drive around in a car. You get a Yeah, you, you, get, you a get a gun. You're, you're part of a strong union. Yeah. The only uh-huh. downside I mean, just is... Ha- you, have, having a strong union, that's all you had to say. Like, the idea yeah. that uh, other, other co-workers are, like, gonna constantly cover for you, no matter how bad you fuck up, I've always wanted that. Yeah, that well, is nice. There is... I'm, really, I'm learning a lot today. Yeah, yeah, you're learning that Vince yeah. is a goddamn <laughs> cop. A cab includes Vince. Is what you're learning, A cab, <laughs> A cab. All cops are Vince. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just get some general thoughts on this. I feel like BD is too excited all the time in the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. She's too eager. See, and, I and feel it like really turns me I, off. I, I oh, see. Yeah. I feel yeah. like if they made this show now, they would have made her. There's this thing that uh, mostly like comic book and Star Warsy type movies did, where they they had a fanboy or a fangirl character, mm-hmm. like in like in Last Jedi, which I actually like. But they made like Rose. She's like excited to meet uh, what's his name, uh, John Boyega. Finn. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's like a fan. It, like i feel like studios did this thing where they're where they saw all these nerds at, at comic-con and they're like we need to have characters that represents these like fanboy people right yeah. and like no one They'll wants that seen. they want to think they're they're harrison ford they don't want to like see themselves yeah. on screen but uh yeah i feel like if they made this in 2023 uh bd would just be like a big fan of mcnulty and his ability to to do uh murder investigations yeah. He'd be like, yeah, yeah. She would, she would be like, I read about you in the paper, and it yeah. was just so amazing. <laughs> and I've always wanted to, yeah. But what I like about uh, that is like they don't actually do that with her character in no. this. She is very excited, but mm-hmm. the reason she's very excited is because she has been a port police for the last yeah, her normal many job years. is boring yeah. as shit, and now she's right. getting to investigate a murder, which is like way yeah. more exciting. I can't blame her. I can't yeah. blame her. What do we think about this episode? I see. I think. This episode is sort of a microcosm of season two as a whole. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it starts off, uh, you're on your back foot because the, the, it starts off with not its best, with not its fastball, which is uh, Nick, yeah. Nicky acting. And uh, <laughs> he's not very good. I'm sorry. Like, he's not terrible. Like, he's not a terrible actor. But, like, when you're used to the normal baseline of The Wire's acting, like Andy, when he's doing it opposite Sabatka, who's really great, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Bauer, um, yeah, he's he like he's he's not good, he's not great. So it starts with that, but then it goes into we're getting the band back together mode, which yeah. is fucking Daniels is getting the new detail. Yeah, is coming back. They're both uh, everybody's. You They're know, both saying "fuck you, my wife." Yeah, I everybody's being like, "My wife can't control me." Uh, yeah, yeah. and that we're like, "Yeah, so this funny. is just like everyone eats with candles." That's yeah, no, no, this, is, this is like I think I said this on a previous episode, but like uh, the the movie shorthand for an annoying ass wife uh, in the late '90s and early 2000s was candles and shitty classical music at dinner, like. Uh, that's true that's That's american beauty like you know that's i think american beauty started that have you guys ever tried to eat dinner like across the table from your wife with the candles right in the middle (laughs) 
Not those kind. Not the kind that like stand up like that. Usually, uh, I ours have, are like the glass ones that sit on the you know that just sit directly on the table. We have those big candles, and we have the and and we've we've tried it a couple of times. Sometimes Francesca just insists on like doing like I'm gonna it's, light some it, candles. It's kind of like a hazard. No, it's like, a total hazard. It's just not. It's just not I would good. Trust myself to not hit those. Yeah, I, for, I have shaky hands, and I—that's uh, just like normally for me. Just not moving, my hands are shaking. The idea of me also—you add me eating to that. Someone who mm-hmm. shakes when they eat, like and and eats like scared, because um, <laughs> it's just the way I eat. I eat like a yeah. A he's scared, a scared. He's a scared chipmunk. I'm a scared chipmunk when I eat, okay. and so it's me he uses shaking. Two hands, and he shakes a lot, and he eats like he's got a story. Are you for... okay? Yeah, Who it's just like you? a hereditary thing where the men in my family we got shaky hands, and also okay. uh, my dad, my brother used to steal my food, so I became afraid of getting my food stolen. So I hunched my back, and then also I'm afraid of choking, so I I don't breathe while I'm eating. Oh my god! <laughs> so there's a lot going on. There's you a add lot candles going on. to that. There's a lot going on. I'm just saying, you're you know you don't want to bring. Just gonna you have know, a candle at dinner flame. with my raccoon. I am. <laughs> I am a powder keg. Don't add fire. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Both. I mean, as long as we're talking about that storyline, like both of these women seem very uh ignorant about what lawyers actually do and what it would be like to be married to a lawyer like they're thinking 100%. that like ooh uh, my spouse is going to have this safe desk job which okay i guess that part's true but they're also like if they're they're working at law firms they're probably going to be expected to bill all these hours they're going to be working like 50 60 hour weeks all the time never home. maybe they're making right? a joke about lawyers not doing anything Maybe they're maybe it's going over our heads. Yeah, it could know. be. I mean, maybe they don't it's... do anything, but they're also stuck at the office. Like they're they're there yeah. at all hours. Like they're but gonna they be have a... normal hours, right? Don't they? No, no. Lawyer, no. lawyers. Not lawyers. Really. They have the worst hours. They they. Maybe, but are... I feel like maybe this was maybe in two thousand three. Uh, like this was before the glut of uh law school graduates and this was these were the kinds of stories that convinced yeah. all of our generation to mm. go to law school and pump I mean, exercise law school way yeah. too many people with law degrees that uh, right. uh, there weren't enough lawyer jobs to fill and then uh yeah and then they all got stuck working like the absolute worst i, I mean it's, it's the worst yeah. it's the worst job you can have in my opinion because it's um it's not only are you um like working all the time but like uh, so much of the job is just research. Um, like mm. I think everyone assumed at one point that a lawyer like you're going to spend your days reading the terms of service from Apple. Like that's your yes, that's ex- your exactly, so ex- exactly. Everyone assumed, and, uh, and me included, that lawyer is Sam Waterston. Yeah, uh, do Law and Order. Mm-hmm. You know, you go and you say well, that's bad they told guy. Us. That's how they romanticized it to us. Yep. How would we know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I probably that's probably like the most common profession of people that i know like there's i probably Mm -hmm. know more lawyers than any other profession and i can the only ones i can think of like maybe one or two happy ones and those are the ones that actually do like criminal law right everybody else is fucking miserable but the important thing is to remember what the lawyer thing actually represents in the show like for at least for marla and cedric um like uh lawyer is 
just about career advancement. It's mm-hmm. it's not about like people, uh, it's, in, people in the public sector are going to romanticize the private sector and not realize how much it actually sucks. Right. True. Um, but also, you know, lawyer is just another resume building thing for uh you know someone who maybe has a future in politics it's above like they grew up thinking that a lawyer was like a white collar profession and a cop is like a blue collar one basically like so i think there's like a you know it's like a it's a status it's a i think it represents Mm -hmm. the status symbol more than anything yeah i agree yeah i mean i think it's different also for um you know for cheryl and kima uh like Cheryl just wants Kima not to get shot in the neck again and yeah, almost die. That's fair. So so it's like they're definitely mad about different things. Marla, you come to find, especially as the series goes on, is really just about um about climbing the ladder more than anything and sees that like That's what she calls know. fucking Daniels, by the way. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> He's a tall, lanky drink of water, am I right? My name is my name. I love that guy. Yeah. He, he has such a presence on screen. I can't describe it. He's just like Velociraptor. Amazing. That's yeah. the presence. That's how I would describe it. He looks like he's got a skeleton face, but a muscle body, which is like yeah. it's like being fucked by a buff skeleton. <laughs> yeah. I also think uh, I think like 60 percent of being an actor is just having an interesting face. And oh, yeah. like you just look at at uh what's his name uh lance reddick and you're like yeah. well yeah that guy i want to watch that guy because like i'm interested in whatever this guy's doing because he is uh so particular looking yeah i mean i i feel like every role he's in is so like like a position of power or just like badass like i mean yeah. i don't yeah. think a cop is badass but like he's like an, he's a powerful figure like i remember the first time i watched him was in fringe mm-hmm. and i just looked it up because i wanted to remember what he was but he was the special agent in charge with the department of homeland security so yeah. like he has these roles that are just like he can he's, fill those he shoes he looks like a predatory reptile and uh yes, that, yes. you know you imagine that guy having a lot of power you imagine that guy being a cop of some sort 100 mm-hmm. yeah. percent um but yeah what i love about it in this episode is you do get to see kind of like um you get to see daniel's uh, swing his dick finally is because we've had three episodes now of him working uh underground basically in the evidence control he's I mean, been literally fucked. underground no yeah. right literally underground he, he got fucked because of uh you know his um you know working this case from season one the the avon Bar- barksdale case and stepping on a lot of toes he gets punished he's at the point where he's gonna quit and then out of nowhere you got valchek who's like yeah, give me that black guy <laughs> you know so we gotta stop frank tabaka so you gotta give me the black give me that big tall lizard guy all right oh the, the tall lizard got rid of that barksdale guy yeah you know like so like check impression more than anything that you do oh yeah oh good yeah yeah give me give me a big black guy yeah he look like Galton. that's uh that's valchek <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, and because of that, uh, he, you know, he basically, he's got Burrell by the balls, uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Burrell agrees to, uh, get Daniels, uh, out of retirement or at least stop him from putting in his papers and get him on this detail. And, uh, I love- He promises him more career advancement. Right. Yeah. yeah, That was a good scene. I mean, between Burrell and Daniels. Why would you do that? 
I value you, Cedric. Look, you're arrogant and disloyal. But maybe, given time, you'll find a way to shine. I don't care if you make a case for Valtech or not. I do care that the old Polak comes away from it feeling he got his money's worth. Valcheck asked for me by name, didn't he? You two are trading horses and you need me in the corral. How about this? If I bring in a case, you make the detail permanent as a major case unit. Fair enough. One other thing? A promotion and a promise of a specialized unit isn't enough? I choose my own people. Fuck me once, shame on you. <laughs> Fuck me twice. Make a list. I I just I I I love watching Daniels like have a little because it's like it's not watching like a cop succeed. It's watching uh it's watching a guy in an office get to uh get to shit on his boss a little bit yeah. and being like And it's yeah. just like that's a perfect Hollywood scene. Like that scene is the perfect actor showcase where they have shifting motivations but they're all but everything's super clear and uh mm-hmm. they're getting to say all of the things that everybody mm-hmm. wants to say in a much more like articulate and direct way and uh and things are happening everything's happening like it's it's like reality condensed into you know just this nice like yeah. slick nugget of a scene and it's beautiful yeah. yeah, I feel like you you said something early that I think I agree with. Like this episode is pretty a, a good one to jump in on for me because mm-hmm. you're right. Like it puts together the whole team. Like you see all these pieces coming together, and also like states, yeah, that like entire like I was already caught up with the story because they mm-hmm. just like explained it to me in yeah. the room. So you know when someone yeah. says, "Let me get this straight," you're like, "Oh, I'm yeah. about to I'm about to like, yeah. get caught up." Gotta right pay here. attention awesome. now. Yeah. Let me get this straight is a good way to do exposition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not only are they like very clear with their own motivations, but like Daniels is like, oh, I know what your motivation is in this scene. And yes. then he like says He's it. like, I see is, you. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You're like, I'm smart because I knew what that was. He told us thing that we saw. Yeah. But being able to call him out on doing like horse trading uh, and like it's it's such a I don't know. It's just it's a gratifying scene, especially to watch like. You know, Burrell, who totally did fuck the dog on that case mm-hmm. uh, last season. Uh, yeah, I have to sit there and take it while Daniels, um, you know, gets it, it, everything he wants. It makes almost. Daniels sound slightly naive because it's it's the way he he's putting these things out there like he's a little bit surprised. But like he knows Burrell. He's been in that police department. He's playing him the whole time. Come yeah. on. Like he knew. No. Like. But yeah, uh, what I love is uh, Daniel's basically, he's got him by the balls. He's going to get uh, everything he wants. Uh, he gets to pick his own people and he talks to Rawls about it. Uh, and I have that clip. I need your approval for Freeman, Greds, and Houck. They're all CID. Correction. You need my approval for everyone. Good news is I got no problem with anyone on your list. Except McNulty. No McNulty. Nothing that even resembles the son of a bitch. That bad, huh? He quits or he drowns. <laughs> That's the only two things get him off the fucking boat, so help me God. What I love about that is that uh, Daniels, he really does, like, have some leverage here. But I love that he's kind of just okay. Was like, yeah, no, yeah, fuck McNulty. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, McNulty is actually um, alienated everybody in a way that, like, they know he's good. 
but they're like uh, but he's so annoying he's so annoying and it's not really worth it to fight over it he's just yeah. like yeah, yeah yeah fuck mcnulty when i watched <laughs> like, the wire the first time that was real it was so frustrating to me to find him so annoying because he was in so many of the sh- like so much of the show because yeah. i'm so irritating yeah i mean th- it's funny because they got rid of him uh for like a season i forget yeah. which season it was like season four or four, something I where, think, yeah. where he's like he's just like happily married or whatever and he's like quit drinking and um no i miss and, i miss that irish rascal i need you need no, a really rascally irish bit in all stories i think for sure it's nice to have a fuck boy um and uh and you know he does i think he plays an important role in the show and he's basically it's ed burns going like yeah i, I was a really hot smart cop who's better than all my bosses doesn't that and bother I, you and i fucked a lot uh it it, it doesn't bother me because <laughs> of the fact that he is um such a a pathetic scumbag that mm. like that's what i want to watch i don't want to watch nice characters i want to watch scumbags give me the yeah give me the scumbags he, that's great are you talking about mcnulty or, yeah, or burns M- mcnulty but like he's not a scumbag he, he is nice i mean he becomes nice at some point he has but his no, moments he, he's scummy he's i mean he is he's always uh, attempting in one way to do good but the his his motives around doing good are usually like um trying to impress everybody and try or trying yeah. to make everyone feel bad for how smart he is which uh <laughs> i mean i love that i think that's great um and uh yeah so mcnulty in this episode is really kind of like he's kind of all over the place uh you see him uh first he's like he's he the first time you see him he walks into the office and he once again gets eye fucked by winona winona wants a piece of that uh irish that irish fuck boy i love it i love that that she really i think she has like maybe one or two words in the entire season but uh she just she's like all right my character is gonna have a thing and it's that she wants to fuck mcnulty i love it <laughs> She's done this now twice where like every time McNulty enters uh the homicide unit uh she s- looks straight like i fucks his ass and it's just like i love it i wonder if that was written or she was just like oh no i'm going to be a memorable character in this goddamn show <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't need to speak i can fucking oh it's so good um but McNulty is you know made it his mission to get the name of this woman, the Jane Doe, who he found um, off the bridge um, or who died somehow. And uh, he's kind of just like, he's balancing a few different storylines. One is him trying to get the name. The other is him trying to find uh, Omar for, mm-hmm. uh, for bunk. Um, the other is his wife wants to him to sign a separation agreement. And he's just like, He's got a lot of things going on, and that's kind of shown in the scene where he uh, comes home and he listens to his answering machine messages. <laughs> yes, uh, so many. And I have a, I have a, a clip of that. Jimmy, just a scheduling thing. Sean was invited to Mark Lawrence's birthday party on Saturday, so you can pick him up there after two. Okay, great. Omar, by the end of the week, Jimmy. Mr. McNulty, this is Dr. Halpern's office. You missed your six-month cleaning on Tuesday, and we haven't heard from you. Give us a call, please. This is a message for Jimmy McNulty from the office of Dr. Sobel. Uh, we have the results of your AIDS test, and you have uh, 
unfortunately, full-blown AIDS. Your body is riddled with it. Um, AIDS everywhere. Hi, Papi. It's me, Esmeralda. And I'm wondering when you're going to come back and have sex with my pussy. I like when you put your... This is the office of Dr. Sobel calling once again for Jimmy McNulty. Please call us back. Um, the AIDS is rampant. Hi, Senor Jimmy. My husband, he, he, he called, he found out that we're together, and he said he's going to kill you. Hello, this is the husband of Esmeralda. I found out you're putting your penis in a pussy. Uh, that's no good because he's my, he's my wife. Uh, I am going to kill you, Mission McNulty. <laughs> yeah, so that was—I wow. thought that was a great scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. They really storyline in there. They covered yeah. a lot in that. You know? They yeah. covered a lot. You know, he's got—he's got bunk on his ass to get Omar. He's got his wife, who's like trying to get this—you know—separation agreement. Um, and he has AIDS. And he has AIDS, full blown. Yeah. Are they and, just uh, that Catholic that they are going to go through all of the things? Like they're gonna have a full like separation agreement and all and like basically alimony but without an actual divorce. Like I'm not sure what his wife is thinking and or what he's thinking because I know with him, um, like he's thinking like he's gonna sign this thing even though it like you know yeah he's gonna have to pay a lot in alimony or whatever. It's um, great because he's like he's a fuck boy. So like most of the time you think of him manipulating women but it, it, like through this storyline you see that he is just as naive about uh his own relationships as anyone who would sleep with him if not more so yeah 100 mm. percent. because he like you know he he ends up signing the agreement and going i don't want to fight about the money i just yeah, want to like get back thinks, together yeah, he's like being he's being like a like a, a nice guy you know what i yeah, mean but like, he's stupid which, which no, is no, no, I, I don't, I'm not saying that's that's a good thing. Right. He's annoying, but no. he's like play, that's his move. He's like right. yeah, I'm that gonna is, give her what she move. wants because it yeah. it's it's based on yeah it's his world guilting view, her. It's like a worldview based on uh, lax parenting, where it's like oh if I just pretend to be like a a good boy, they will uh, they will Santa will come and bring me presents again. It's, uh, it's, like, it's like no, dude. You already, you already fucked no, that up. No, he's like, look at how what an amazing person I am. Come be back with me. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, he is. He is like being. He's being a a sad boy, mm-hmm. um, and just being like you know the sad a, boy, the cousin of the fuck boy. Exactly, and mm-hmm. and being like, look how good a, good I am. You know, I I'm a he's martyring himself yes, to be exactly. like. I want to get back together. Meanwhile, I'm like, his ex wife must be ecstatic <laughs> because she. You know, as much as like, you know, he's got the good dick or whatever. I think she's pretty much got her mind made up and she's just like, oh, this idiot just fucking signed this this shit. He thinks he's playing her, but she's playing him. She's absolutely playing him. And I uh, I love watching that because you you do know that like in the back of your of uh, McNulty's mind, he's like, you know, yeah, this this will, you know, this will show her. Um, Yeah, there's no way she's going to say no. Yeah, exactly. And and you just oh, I just love watching him just be like, <laughs> yeah, there's no way she'd let me be sad. And I'm just like, yeah, I think she would. Oh, hey, Brent. Hey, what's up? I know you, you stopped talking about Glitchko uh, like uh, almost an hour ago, but did mm. you know that he had a baby with Hayden Panettiere? What? What? Really? Yeah. yeah. And the like, 
paparazzi pictures of them standing next to each other make you feel like you're you're going crazy you're like because <laughs> she's tiny like, she's so tiny and she's so big that you're like something this photo is edited or something but your brain can't quite rationalize is there it. is there also is she holding a baby too because that's straight up russian doll situation <laughs> i haven't seen any of those but oh that'd be oh. crazy she's holding Can a baby but the baby's like half her size it's very huge it <laughs> yeah. looks like photoshop well, large just, stepson his, his head is the size of her upper body. It's crazy. Wow. <laughs> That's hot. Um, oh, but also we should probably take a break for ads. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Uh, it is time for us to uh, make that money. And uh, in order to do that, we got to uh, do some ads. So uh, stick around and uh, listen to these wonderful advertisements. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, <laughs> because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, you helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to... Do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby, um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go, hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and you you know, you know can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So yes, please come. Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Um, so the other thing McNulty is doing is he is on the hunt for Omar. Um, and he's basically, we just see him asking every single black guy in the hood, uh, <laughs> have you seen Omar? From like a group of kids who just got out of school who were just like, what? Fuck off. To, yeah. uh, to a bunch of corner boys who, uh, even though Omar, you know, will and probably has robbed them, they will not. They, they're not going to cooperate with Jimmy. Which, well, they don't uh, know where Omar... If they knew where Omar it was, like, Omar would be dead. Like, It's a good point. That's but also, very like, he's white. Why would they ever yeah. tell him anything? <laughs> yeah, he is, yeah, he's white and a cop, and they're just like, no. why? As if, like, ever getting mixed up with the cops has ever been a good idea. Yeah. Uh, um, I really hate... Uh, the the character of Bubbles really depresses me, and I kind of oh. hate what he does to him in this episode. Oh, like totally, yes. I mean, Bubbles is the most fucking uh, preyed upon person it's on so the sad. show. It's so he is sad. he is being he's constantly being taken advantage of uh, by everyone in his life, and uh, and it is sad. But it's also wonderful that we get to see him again. This is the fourth episode of season two, and we're finally seeing. Yeah where bubbles and johnny are at because in and your head you're like oh where's bubbles i bet he's like doing so well now that he's clean he's got so much potential right yeah. probably got a good job like he's helping people <laughs> like that's a guy fir- that it, it would be a credit to any organization and then you see him and it's like oh no he's back he's selling a uh, scrap metal no. for heroin <laughs> oh it's even better it, it opens with him the first time seeing him in this season and he's he and johnny looking just like crackhead <laughs> batman and robin and they are both wearing long like trench coats and they're just getting on a bus yeah really subtle (laughs) just the most subtle like i'm definitely not shoplifting trench coat and uh you see them take a bus to the mall where they uh steal a bunch of shit i mean just but listen okay he takes out a foot locker bag yeah from his trench he didn't buy it why would it be in a bag you bring the bag this is how oh. I used to shoplift when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Was wow, you bring you bring the bag smart. of the place you're shoplifting um, from, and I mean the way I would do it is then you know you put stuff in the bag and you walk out with it, and people think you bought it. Wow. Of course, he's just using any bag. That's a I much think. less stressful way to steal things. Okay, I'll yeah. Keep that in mind. I, I mean, the problem with with bubbles is he's he's definitely uh, he needs to hide that bag because I mean, look at him. He is the most I am stealing like guy ever. He is currently on drugs, long trench coat. I mean, you can you can tell him as a shoplifter from a mile away. But this is back, you know, I think in the days when uh, malls existed. And, um, and you could get money you know. for a Walkman. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He steals a Walkman 
and then um and then yeah uh mcnulty calls out to him and uh i, I just feel like this episode is a really good like a time marker of like where we were in like digital technology wise. Yeah. Like there's the Walkman, and then there's also like that interaction about the cam- the digital yeah. camera. How does what's a digital camera? Yeah, Where's yeah. The film? Like, hey, you got yeah. film in that thing? Yeah, exactly. like, no, man, you put a computer chip. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm trying. I can't want to do a Baltimore accent. But I can't do it. Uh, and uh, yeah, he learns about computer chips. Um, but yeah, uh, let me just play a little bit. Yo, bubbles. Nutty! Hey, my man is man. What you get? Oh, Walkman. You're gonna need to pay taxes on this shit. <laughs> Taxation without representation, you know? I don't want much. I need Omar. You want us to wander around town looking for a crazy motherfucker with a shotgun? Let me go way back. It's a friendly thing. Oh, no. He's a friend. You can find a motherfucker without us. No problem. You show me a receipt for this shit, you're off the hook. He's such an asshole. I hate him. He's such, and not only that, but like he takes the Walkman and he gives it to his wife. Did yeah. you guys notice that? <laughs> yeah. She in the scene where he signs the, you know, the um, the separation agreement. She's listening. She's got the headphones on. She's like, "These are great." Uh-huh. Like, he, he stole these from a fucking what drug a addict scumbag. that he's using to find one of the scariest men in Baltimore. Uh, good guy. Um, mm-hmm. but what I love about this is that, so like Bubbles and Johnny, um, they're having a hard time, uh, also with the drugs that they're on because at this point Stringer has, um, got the worst package he keeps, ever. Yeah, he keeps stepping on it. They keep stepping on it over and over. So it's like barely got any I was actually, I was impressed it. with the, uh, like the science of the guys that are stepping on the heroin. Like they're, they're throwing mm-hmm. out numbers. Like they know the percentage purity of yeah. the drugs that they're Chemicals putting out. It's pretty impressive. It's a sweet science. It's yeah. A, it's exactly. the sweet science. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but so, you know, Bubbles and, and uh, Johnny are, you know, barely high and they're realizing, you know, yeah, they got to. They got to help McNulty out um, just because like things were kind of good when he was like snitching for McNulty. He was getting like regular money. He was a good he's a good CI. Um, So he is just openly talking about like, hey, anyone seen Omar? And um, he lucks out in that one of uh, Omar's crew uh, uh, like overhears him. And uh, and so. You see, like, uh, Bubbles is actually uh, a beautiful metaphor for uh, America's working class, which is that, mm. uh, you know, the the upper classes, they need him hungry. Like, you think they want him to kick heroin and go straight, but really it's to their benefit to keep Bubbles uh, on drugs and, uh, Absolutely. and, and just scraping by. That's uh, like basically McNulty is like the fed, like continuing to try and engineer a recession when the, when the workers right. get too much power in this. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we don't want unemployment to happen, but if, <laughs> if, if the poor get too much money, we're going to have yeah. to, I, we don't I, have enough I, people I do to do little... all these, uh, slave jobs. <laughs> I do love that a little bit like Stringer stepping on the heroin is a little bit of them trying to get rid of inflation. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just yeah, like just uh, step on can... it again. I don't know. Yeah. Um, actually, it's, you know, you said it with a little bit of a I'm a dumbass, you know, uh, smirk, uh, Vince. But everything you just said is 100 percent true. 
um well i was just i'm doing like the 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 parody of a pretentious critic thing where everything is a metaphor for right that's what it started as but you made some good points you see really what this episode's about is uh the death of the american dream and the closing of the frontier i love that you're a little you're like low-key embarrassed that you're good at this (laughs) (laughs) you're just like well once you've read enough of the same like uh critics finding uh the same metaphors, metaphors over and over the same metaphors in their close reads it's like okay it feels yeah. redundant to say things like that i guess true 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 but you're 100 percent right and um and he is hungry and um uh in the scene where they finally find uh omar or more so omar finds them um I love that scene so much yes. because uh, there's a lot of things going on. First of all, Johnny is telling some horrifying story that only <laughs> like a drug addict uh, <laughs> would be telling to their friend as they're walking around. Just something where it's just like casually horrifying. What was and the story then, he was telling again? And this lady have this daughter. The daughter's born a mute. The wife doesn't like that at all, so she breaks out, right? She's got stuck raising this daughter. She has a period. She freaks out, goes to him. He thinks she was... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that last line, really... Like, where's that story going? And you just know it's it's, it's not bad. going anywhere good. But then um but then Bubbles goes stops him and says, Whoa, whoa, whoa. And they see a radiator just sitting there, and he's like, dude, that's money right there. Jackpot. Huh? Hey? That's about that's about ten dollars worth of bulk metal right there. This is good right here. Ten dollars right here. Snitching bugs. You be asking for me? And he pulls it out so fast. I watched yeah. that over and over. I was like, that was, I didn't even see it happen. His yeah. gun just goes up. I it mean, he's the fastest smooth. gun in the West Baltimore. I mean, project. all of his clothes are engineered for fast shotgun pullery. So, like, True. he's, you know, he's wearing a duster. Exactly. Like, he's not wearing that for fashion or because it's cold. It's, it's or because he's going to steal some Walkman. That's right. Yeah. He's doing that solely for shotgun concealment and pulling purposes. He gets the drop on them. And what I love about that is the, um, the radiator was absolutely bait. You think so? Yeah, he planted the. He knew exactly how he. Could. I didn't read it that way, but that's so smart. That's he like, lured just him like, in. He was it. like a, a lady putting out cooling pies on her windowsill, yeah. knowing that yeah. Yogi Bear's ass was going to float along the scent trail, right, right into her clutches. That's what I think. I think he. I, know, I, think, he knows, I think you've convinced me. That's a good. He point. knows his crackheads so well that he's just like this will get him well i need to arrange a meeting with bubbles i better put out some scrap metal so that he'll come a come a sauntering by um and yeah so that's uh so we we finally get in touch with uh, omar and uh more to come later in the season yeah um, i'm bummed that my episode didn't feature a lot of omar he's great but you know what it did have this episode had oh. <clears throat> ziggy being like the one of the first guys to discover dick pics. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's okay, right. Is that the first ever dick pic? I think he's the first guy to uh, digitally give someone an unwanted dick pic, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Um, it is really incredible, and just some some amazing timing on the uh, on the part of the actor who plays Maui, the the big the big guy. God damn it, Ziggy! You sick fuck! Get your dick out of my computer! Get your dick out of my computer! 
I love that so much because it also it's like it 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 low key it implies that he's it's like is he doesn't know about computers or digital images either so he's just like your dick's in my computer somehow <laughs> i don't know how you can get it out but it would be nice if you could yeah um, like you think he you see ziggy on the computer and you think he's doing some like high level hacking shit and it's like no he mm-hmm. just like put a new wallpaper on his desktop right <laughs> I just think that line is so just get out of my computer. Yeah, just, get your yeah. dick out of my computer. It's so good. Um yeah, so we got a uh, this episode focuses I think mostly on um kind of what's going on with the docks and all the uh, all the Polish all the Polish people in the docks. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I I kind of love it because we get to finally get a, just a little bit more background on what's going on with uh, Nico's life and Nico's life is um, hard. Now, Vince, you are someone who's just convinced of uh, the bad acting of this character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not great. I, I am someone who thinks that he is doing a perfectly adequate job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's like, uh, yeah, I think he's doing fine. And, and I'm, I think at this point, uh, interested enough in the character that I don't, I don't even see him as, uh, I don't see it as an actor playing a character. I just see it as like n- the guy who plays Nikki is Nikki Sabatka <laughs> and he's just not good at playing himself. You know what I mean? If there, is that hmm. make any sense to you? Like, like. He is, he's not he in feels touch like, with his emotions, and that's why it seems like he's a bad actor. It feels like he's exactly. It feels oh. like he's not a good actor because he's not an actor. He's he actually playing himself. Is, yeah, he's playing himself, yeah. a, a dock worker who's they just found not him good. on the docks. That's how they cast him. Yeah, exactly. That's what it, uh, that. So I, I guess I've come to uh, I don't know drink the Kool Aid on on Nikki, and I think he's doing perfectly adequate job yeah, it's just his uh like i get the thing where he's supposed to be a uh you know a blue collar dumbass who's not in touch with his emotions um but uh when he's like oh, it's, it's hard out here frank you don't know how hard it is like it's it feels yeah. it just feels like very uh tv Bratty. movie of the week kind of level like he makes the writing seem cornier than it is you know what a dasco lines a cunt hair away from taking their business down in norfolk i don't need this shit right now i do uncle frank i need the money god damn it you ain't hearing me what you think this shit is easy huh you try living on five or six days a month see how fast it puts you on your ass you need money you come to me oh yeah frankie sabaka's father fucking christmas on the docks lately no doubt his pockets are full huh you think it's for me is that what you think huh it ain't about me nick yeah, he's a theater guy a little bit, but that's you know, I'm okay with that. And and I I do love that opening scene between him and Frank. Uh, and I I enjoy watching. I think also um the relationship between Ziggy and Frank Zabotka and how strained that is. I think this is like something I've been asking for a while now. Like, how are this? Like, what is Ziggy's resentment against his dad, Frank? Um, and, you know, why does he seem so, I don't know. Um, he seems mad about the fact that his dad is like the boss of the docks. Um, and he, I love... He's a big brat baby. I don't know. He is a big brat baby. That's true. But also, I think his daddy just does not give him 
the time of day at all. Uh, like I have a clip of uh, when he's yelling at Nikki and he's saying, I'm going to talk uh, to Ziggy about all of this. Uh, here's a clip. Me and Ziggy are going to talk on this long and hard. A few moments later. Hey, Dad, what was... Jesus, Pop, what was that for? <laughs> Say cheese. You pull another stunt like that, Ziggy, I'll have your damn card. I don't care who your mother is. Get the fuck out of here. I just, I feel good. so bad for for Ziggy because, like, Why do you, you feel know bad that... for him? I feel bad for him because I, I kind of start, I'm starting to understand that, like, as much as he, his dad talks like, you know, like he loves his son, I don't think he ever talks to his son. I think he mostly, the relationship between Ziggy and his father is his father just calling him a big dumbass and like Ziggy well, acting out. maybe he wouldn't out. call him a dumbass if he wasn't a dumbass. Well, that's the thing though, but it's like a vicious cycle where you just continue to act out because it's the only way your father will ever pay attention to you. You're being you know, too it's like a, for this, this character. No, I mean, <laughs> You're making listen. good points, but I don't like it. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm just saying it's it's like uh, I've, I'm starting to understand why Ziggy is the way that he is. And um, it's sad and pathetic, but it also is a little bit on Frank. I, uh, mm. I, I see. I appreciated the dynamic between Nikki and and Uncle Frank, because it's like they're both refusing to acknowledge like new circumstances in their own way. Like mm -hmm. Frank is wanting uh nikki to um you know realize that these people could take their cargo somewhere else and just cut them out completely and uh and and nikki is you know he's uh, so sorry nikki's not acknowledging that and frank's not acknowledging the fact that these the people that don't have seniority are not getting enough work to like survive anymore like he thinks right he thinks he's being a good guy by like making them come to him for loans and shit. But of course, right. none of these like stunted dock workers or not, or anyone really, they don't want to like come to the guy for a handout. They just want right. to be able to work and make a right. living. Everyone. Yeah. They just want to be able to make a living. And, um, yeah, it's so true. The old timers like, are like, well, you know, we paid our dues and it's like, yeah, you did, but it was mm -hmm. not, not, not in the way that they are now. Like you paid your dues when there was still, yeah, more when of a there was fucking shipping ships coming in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, it's uh, the the idea that like you know Frank is like, you think it was easy for me? It's like, yeah, a little bit. That's kind yeah. of how I feel it's about classic like boomer shit because it's like they yes. can they can be like, we didn't have fucking flat screens and iPhones when we were a kid, and then we're like, yeah, but also you could have bought a house for like the price of a fucking VCR, and yeah, uh, so. you had uh, what, <laughs> yeah, you had what pensions you had, and shit. We don't have any right. of that. You had uh, a rapidly expanding middle class, and you had um, a American fucking hegemony. <laughs> like yeah. you had the rise of America a, controlling like all a the resources, a manufacturing monopoly, just about like. Yeah, essentially a manufacturing monopoly and like just all of the the resources and the money. I mean, they they lived in a in a dream time comparatively. And uh that's why any boomer, you know, when you tell them that uh shit's hard, they'll be like, oh, "What are you talking about?" Back in about? my day. Back yeah, well they'll tell day. you like uh, I saw someone tweeted like how 
his mom always used to tell him like when I started as a school teacher or school psychologist or whatever, I made like 12 grand a year, like making it. And then he like put that in the, the, uh, uh the, the fucking inflation, the inflation calculator. calculator. And it was like, yeah. you know, it's $79,000 in, in like today's money. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so you were good. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. That is so fucking crazy. And you know, it, it's interesting too, because in this episode, there's a little bit of me doing math in my head, uh, in terms of like the inflation calculator. Cause at some point Nikki is walking with his baby mama, um, along the Harbor and mentions and that he has the cutest purple sweater. She's oh so yeah. She's adorable. And she knows all the names of the ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. Her face was conveniently like her mouth was not facing the camera. So that yeah. was ADR. For yes. Me, but it was ADR. It was still cute. Yeah. No, that little girl obviously doesn't know shit about ships. No. She's she's no one knows anything about ships. No. Yeah, that was movie magic. But um, I got this farm book for my baby. It's like a baby book about farms. And it's got like uh-huh. and it's got like cows and goats and sheep and shit in there and like yeah. vegetables and fruits. I'm like, OK, these are good to know. And then it also has like combine harvester, manure spreader, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? the baby doesn't need to know the fucking terms <laughs> for specialized farm vehicles. Come on. I love, love the idea that they're like, let's just make an honest farm book and just have it all be like monocrop farms. <laughs> right. And it's just like soybean, soybean container, yeah. soybean soil. <laughs> and then it's just, uh, now mm. it just ends with the- Monsanto like, representative. Right. It yeah. ends They're with trying the, to get your uh, kid to be a farmer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're indoctrinating your children. Yeah. Sure are. Hey, <laughs> you know, it's a good living. Uh, you know, as long as you own the farm. Uh, but yeah, so um yeah, uh, he's walking with his kid uh and his baby mama and he's like I came into some, you know, back pay $2000. This is obviously from the the heist yeah. with the cameras. And he's like, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, maybe getting a place together and maybe we don't rent. Maybe we buy. And all I can think is like, what is two thousand dollars? I thought he got twenty thousand dollars and he was just telling her he got two thousand dollars. No, no, no. He, he's splitting. He's splitting twenty thousand dollars three ways. Okay. Um, oh. Or he he's whatever he they ended well, up getting. It's very little. He's didn't un, he he's, say he got more on the way? Like he has this, and then there's more. Well, coming right. He, I mean, if he's he lowballing what he got yeah. to her, he's, but also that's true. But also like buying like a down payment on a Baltimore row house in two thousand three probably wasn't that expensive you you don't think it was that much i i i was like looking at that i was like two thousand that can't possibly be it but i could be wrong i think that's a chunk of it yeah i don't know jesus christ was that before or after the gratuitous boobage scene that was after but we do need to (laughs) talk about that was very gratuitous i I, I thought it was can we we talk about for a long time can we talk about the actor who played who plays amy yeah please yeah (laughs) I mean, great scene. I I like that. Like back like in the day, it. there was this continuity to HBO shows. Like you knew mm-hmm. a few things were going to be true. Like you're going to see some of the same actors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think I think that even extends to like the jacket. Like I think the jacket from that Sopranos episode. The jacket basically like reappears 
in uh, oh, on Ziggy. That, yeah, on Ziggy. It's like, ah, oh, we need <laughs> yeah. another. We got to bring back the jacket. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, get the jacket from Sopranos. Uh, call his <laughs> agent. Uh, he's going to be playing the jacket on <laughs> The Wire. That's um, great. But uh, yeah, but the actress who plays Amy uh, has an interesting resume. Um, mm. This is just from Rick, Wikipedia. She is a Norwegian-American actress. Uh, the oh. daughter of actor Philip Proctor and television producer Barbro Semmingsen. Um, mm. She grew up in Norway and made her debut at age eight on Norwegian television. Sick. Um, she also graduated from the Institute for Advanced Theater Training at Harvard University. Holy shit. Um, Jesus. And uh, went on to play a gratuitous boob girlfriend in The Wire. Damn. You know, um, here's the thing about that scene. So when that scene was happening, um, I as a man (laughs) made of flesh and blood i looked and i said oh wow and what i what i loved was that was nikki's exact reaction and this is why i think this is why I, i like nikki this is why i think i bought into his character is because he like reacted i think he i think he ad libbed that I think so too. Um, I have a I have a clip of that scene. I ain't got time. <laughs> I know. So why are you grabbing? You were staring right at me. <laughs> so that's the scene. I, I because it's audio, you can't see the. Sure. So yeah. you're seeing, you're hearing the squeezing of the. But yeah, the, the, just him saying they're staring right at me. Like I'm pretty sure my dumbass has said that exact thing <laughs> to my wife, and uh, you know I don't know. Uh, there's something about it that's very real. Uh, the their their entire relationship, uh, kind of being this like. Log where they both seem to mostly kind of like find each other hell of annoying mm-hmm. like they both get on each other's nerves in ways that uh, i i feel like um i mean isn't that any 20 somethings relationship where ex- you kind of exactly. hate each other but you're also super horny that's exactly right right, right. i find that to be uh, one of the many moments uh in the wire where there's so much verisimilitude that i'm like uh, did I say that right? Versimilitude? Yeah, sort of. Close enough. Versimilitude. <laughs> yeah. Ver, verisimilitude. Just continue the sentence. I want to know how you say Just it. continue the thought. Verisimilitude. Yeah, you verisimilitude. got it. Uh, it's one of the moments in the wire in which the verisimilitude I find to be like perfect and yeah. great. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, meanwhile, while Nikki is, you know, trying to maybe buy a house uh ziggy is spending this episode um just being the biggest fucking idiot dumbass where he is like he's being told multiple times by nikki to not flash his money around yeah you know he's and he is like he is actively uh just like well, I'm gonna do. It's like he's such a negative attention middle school kid that mm-hmm. I it, like. I want to slap the shit out of him. Yeah. Where he's like, it's just a coat, man. He it's a two thousand dollar coat. He said out I'll tell, loud. I'll, I'll tell them I made it in pay in payments or whatever. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I'll yeah. tell people I'm gonna pay installments. Installments, yeah. installments. The fuck did I tell you about not spreading no cash around? Jesus Christ, Nikki! It's a fucking coat. I mean, I I can tell people I'm paying for it on installments or whatever. Bring it down. You got to admit, I do look pretty today. I do. 
Shut up. Oh, shut up. He's such a fucking brat. He's such yeah. And ew, he gets it, he gets he's told exactly how to stay under the radar and yes. he does not do it. That's why this this ep- this season is a steep climb for some people because you got Ziggy just being a really really obnoxious dumbass. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm making it my duty to understand him, but it's such a it's still he needs I'm attention. trying to understand it. He needs attention. Yeah, he's only interested in grat- gratification in the present, not the future. Yeah, yeah, and like presenting himself as rich rather mm-hmm. than like actually being rich i don't know i i'm 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 still understanding him but i am uh, little by little episode by episode i'm starting to well he's a guy that doesn't him. understand consequences because he doesn't seem mm-hmm. like he's had any yeah exactly yes um but uh yeah so moving on i think we see horse at his best in this episode <laughs> yeah. uh, um horse knows his rights which i love that <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. Like Bunk and Freeman, they go to the docks and they try to get him to, uh, you know, to like go with them to an interrogation room, basically. Basically trying to do what Rawls told them to do, which is like get people in an interrogation yeah, room on and him. lean on them. And, um, but this and guy, horse. this guy, clear, this guy stole a surveillance van from a police lot. Like he, yes, he's not going to be easily uh, intimidated. Smarter than he looks, that's what they said. Yes, definitely smarter than he looks. I mean, he is, he looks and sounds like the biggest dumbass in the world, but he might be one of the smartest. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have a clip of that. So that's what's face? How'd you get that name? You need a close up? (laughs) Thomas Pacusa, you were the check at work in the Atlantic Light when it docked a couple of weeks back, right? If you say so. (laughs) All right, let's take a ride downtown, clear this mess up. No. Get the fuck in the car. Am I locked up? Get in the damn car. You want me in that car, you need to lock me up. And if that's the way it's going to be, then I want to talk to my shop steward. And he can have an IBS lawyer go with me. Kind of smart for a fat man, isn't he? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Bunk gets offended. <laughs> He's kind of smart for a fat man. Hey, hey, hey. all right, all right. <laughs> And hey, don't talk shit about fat people. You can talk about people being ugly and having horse faces. Yeah, but that's where but, I draw the line. But let's not uh, let's not get fat phobic over here. I love that he uh, was just like no. It's yeah, just, it's crazy. <laughs> better than no. He went. He was like, all right, come with us downtown. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> like that. <laughs> just like the. It's like how you talk to like a like a just like a toddler or something. It's uh, it's how you yell at a dog. Um. So then, uh, Bunk and Freeman. Um. The last scene in the episode is them uh going into their like union bar hangout place and um, fucking just uh, smoking just kinda, their faces. Getting in their faces and like being kind of, um, you know, just harassing them mm-hmm. and really harassing a horse. And one of the things I love is that Bunk just follows horse over to the jukebox and he's like, you're not going to play any of that country shit, you know. And uh, what I love about that is like so far in this uh, season, every scene that we've seen in the uh, in this union docks bar or whatever, they just listen to like black blues guys like it's right. like the, the yeah. music they listen to is mostly like it's like black music or it's like kind of got a um 
you know, uh, classic blues rock, like a little twang. Yeah, it's got a little twang, but not really country. It's not a country bar. But I like that Bunk is so detached from this world that he just assumes everyone's a redneck. Mm. And and I I just uh, that's a I don't know. For me, I thought that was a really interesting detail of like just being so completely ignorant of uh, how these people live uh, that you're just like. Well, they're they're probably rednecks. Because I would have assumed that yeah. they're a bunch of rednecks. If you put on some country music, half of those guys look like you know. There's that one bald guy in the bar who kind of looks like <laughs> like a fucking neo Nazi. You know that one guy? Uh, I don't think I remember that. There's one guy at the uh, who works in the docks who I'm just like. Oh, the he's, one that was staring at Zig. Yes. Yeah. With the money. He's he's pale. He's got the fucking you know the goatee, the American History X fucking goatee, and uh, <laughs> like. It looks like he's going to say a slur, but um, but I think in general, like what and especially in watching this, you know, uh, season, you're just like, no, these guys are they're not fitting neatly into this. Like, I don't know. It's it's yeah. different. No, it's a good catch. Good catch. I think yeah. that's a good point. You know, like horse. I don't know what horse actually would have picked in the jukebox. Well, I know what Nikki would have picked. Which is uh, trapped because he has yeah. a, a trapped. <laughs> he, he had a disturbed poster too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. think trapped he, is more uh, interesting because they, like, they're famous for writing the theme song to the Ultimate Fighter television show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which headstrong? Yeah, it's headstrong. Which was bad even at the time. Like a really terrible yeah. song. And I feel like they knew who was buying their music because I feel like because they at some at a certain point they pivoted really hard to uh being like super right wing um, yeah <laughs> which is, I don't know, uh, really they're, they're from like Gilroy or some shit right are they yeah they're like from like Salinas or Gilroy or something something really weird where you're like huh that's a weird place to have a bunch of right wing new metal guys <laughs> oh, <but okay. laughs> it's even better they're from Los Gatos that's what it is <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> the members of Trapped met in middle school in the mid '90s and were an early no effects cover in an early no effects cover band called the Swing and Utters. Is that right? That's pretty funny. I mean, it's pretty funny to think you go from uh, a no effects cover band to uh, a right wing uh, right wing rap rocks band. Uh, you go where the money takes you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, let's finally just wrap up with uh, what happened with the Barksdales in this episode. Um, Big hottie, Stringer Bell, he's digmatized everyone in the room. We're all... He's wearing the glasses and he's and he's studying and... He's, yeah, he's studying. He's being a, he's being a good, good, smart guy. Um, in this um, episode, you kind of see the whole Tillman thing come to fruition. Um, he's the, he's the prison guard who's been fucking with WeeBay and um, Avon has concocted this entire plan in which to basically get him um yeah basically get him out of there i mean he's he's gonna get take him. the fall that's all it is he's gonna yeah he's gonna get him arrested and shit um for uh and he's gonna be able to cut some time off of his uh stay mm-hmm. in prison because of it so kind of a genius plan two birds one stone um and you do see d talking to avon trying to figure out if it was him who you know, did all the hot shots and D uh, is the Ned Stark of the Barksdale crew, which is like he's yeah. trying to maintain this idea of mm-hmm. honor and morality, even though it's not serving him at all. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's also like just not possible. It's not possible and it's also um needlessly contentious, like in a way where you're just mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be like this and you're actually like even if you do have a problem with like the way your uncle works, like you could probably have a little finesse yeah, with it. Yeah. You could be like nicer. have a little bit you a little bit. Use some guile. Think about that. Right. <laughs> But yeah, so D is basically like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And we'll see how that goes for him. I'm sure it'll <laughs> yeah. go well. Yeah. Um, Definitely you know, when you're in prison, they say uh, just find the biggest guy <laughs> in prison. And if he's protecting and, you, tell him, stop that. Yeah. I'm yeah do this and alone. A- and alienate him. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, so Stringer is the one who's actually having to do um, a lot of the like coordinating of this like plan mm-hmm. to plant drugs on um, the CO. And uh, it, it's kind of it, I have there's an interesting moment in which like first Stringer um, tells his one of his guys um, whose name I, I, I still don't know the name of one of his like his right hand guy. Um, but, uh, at some point I'm going to find that out. Um, and he kind of like, uh, he talks down to him a lot in, in this, uh, right. episode. Yeah. And I have a, a clip <laughs> of that. In the car, but not out in the open. Yo, Rob. Oh. Be subtle with it, man. You know what subtle means? <laughs> Lean back and shit. Like for, to be, it's such a stupid. It's, line. it's just so I don't know. It's so mean to be like fucking. <laughs> do you know like, what he subtle skip means? a beat? Like he just like he's just, he, he can't know what this means. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then later, you know, this Rob, I guess is Rob. Is that his name? I don't know. He gets the job done, and then he wants to report to his boss. Hey, I did the thing. Yo, Spring. Now I was subtle with that. I've been instructed by the Corrections Commissioner and the State Public Safety Secretary to announce that the maximum penalties will be sought against this officer. I got a midterm. I got to study. No, thank you. No, uh, hey, good job. No pat on the head. No, like, here's a reward. I don't know, man. I feel like Stringer. What do you want him to do? I want him to thank him. Yeah, say good job. It's just I guess like that was you know, the least he could do. Good job, right? Thanks, he insults maybe. his intelligence, or he's just like you know. Do you even know what subtle means? So I'm trying to <laughs> fit, piece together what's going on in Stringer's head because he seems like weirdly nonplussed about the pulling this off. He's he's got a lot going on. Okay, he has to study. And he has to run a whole thing. <laughs> he's stressed. He's got, it's true. Midterms are a stressful time. <laughs> So I understand that, but I, I I I guess maybe part of it is, um, well, number one, their drug connection right now is trash, so they're selling a bunch of crap. Yeah, because they're uh, he, he's not used to being in the position where like their organization is uh, in decline. Like they're used to having mm-hmm. the connection and the power, and now they're yeah. trying to work from a place where like. They have a shitty connection. They're almost selling like at at cost or at a loss to try and keep their corners. Like, yeah, yeah of course he's going to be in a bad mood. Like he's, they're not yeah. making money. They're just. Uh, I think he's under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like also just like being responsible for 
Like making sure Avon gets a reduced sentence or whatever. Yeah, Avon's in there playing Xbox and he's out here trying to keep the organization yeah. running. He's out there. Yeah, he's, you know, he is de- definitely, you he's know, also, picking up all the slack. He's also kind of a himbo. And uh, <laughs> like he's not Can that good that? at what he does or smart. Uh, he's But he's he's hot and he projects an air he of confidence. He's smart. Come on. Don't, don't he's studying. <laughs> oh, he's smart, but he's like... He's not street he smart. Glasses. Like he's 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 more book smart than he is street smart, and uh, like his book smarts make him think he has more street smarts than he actually has. Yeah. Hmm. Once you peel back the layers of like the what Stringer's projecting versus what he's actually accomplishing, you realize right. that like he is definitely not built to be in charge of this whole thing. He is ruthless. His ruthlessness is necessary, but he doesn't like it he doesn't it doesn't make him feel good i don't think he gets off on on his ruthlessness the way that um you would assume most you know drug kingpins would like he i I can't tell but maybe i there's part of me that's like does he feel a little bit bad that he's like Mm -hmm. you know kind of like engineered a situation in which a bunch of people died just so they could get this guy to stop destroying a (laughs) weebay's fish tank and he's essentially ruined this dude's life who's who, whose life they already kind of fucked up a little bit. And the reason he's so mad at Weebay is Weebay, when they were in high school, like killed his cousin. <laughs> and it's just like, you guys have fucked with this guy's life so much. <laughs> yeah. He's mad so at you for me, good reason. Yeah. So part of me thinks like there is a little bit of Stringer that's just like, this is a, what a shitty job this is yeah. in which yeah. you have to be this ruthless to survive maybe that's the well, that's the thing that separates him from avon and that's why i think that very much is yeah top. that's Absolutely. the exact thing yeah. whereas like avon literally can play fucking he was so proud of himself in, the, in there just no. playing his video game he was yeah fun. stringer stringer's got a little bit of d in him where he wants uh the drug business to be more like the square business and avon mm. really loves being the, the stringster yeah yeah, yeah. He's putting economics into it and all that. Like he's trying to. Right. He's he's trying to. Uh, yeah. He. I mean, Avon is just a, a gangster, I suppose, as he says at some point. Like he's <laughs> he is about that's the life he knows, and that's the the lifestyle uh, and the way of life that he has known forever, and that he is trying to preserve. Whereas, like, you know, Stringer is. Stringer, like, what if we could make all this money without all this blood? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, what if we could go straight? What if we could turn this into right. a... What a great, know. noble character. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's noble. Like you know, he does murder, but he feels bad yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's... Isn't that the character we all, we all love? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and that is basically uh, the episode. At the very end, uh, Frank uh, Sabatka goes to the bathroom and whimpers, which I love. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, is there anything that we missed? Uh, the favorite scene, the least favorite scene, or something we missed? Um, I think we talked about my favorite. I like I like Daniels and Burrell just, you know, having that good just beautiful the, hollywood back and forth yeah yeah but um, i like that as well and i also there's a couple lines i wrote down that i thought were really stupid and funny not stu- you know what i mean oh. like haha funny um <laughs> if i could fart right now i would 
That's so cute. <laughs> says at one point, <laughs> I think it's her, right? Yeah, yeah. That that um, is one of the strangest lines that uh, I've. I had to watch that a few times to I, be like, yeah. What did she even? What is the? What does he mean? What's the metaphor? What does it mean? I think he's saying like he's already Wait, who doing says all it? this. Who says it? Wait, what was Nikki says it? What what was the situation again? Nikki wakes up next to his baby mama. Uh, goes to the bathroom. He is. He burps. He pees. Uh, he pees a little oh, bit on yeah, the seat. Oh yeah, it is him. I got it wrong. Yeah. And then he says, "If I could fart right now, I would." Oh yeah, he's talking about wanting the Dutch ovener. I think. Well, no, he's already out of the. Ba- I think what what he's saying is like, you've already seen me. I'm doing. I'm being the most disgusting version of myself, mm-hmm. and farting would just be the cherry on top. The cherry sure. on top. That's yeah. my. That, that's my guess. But he he delivers it so weirdly that I was like, what the. F- what? Did he have a stroke? Yeah, but um, just to really drive home how much of a brat he is. Later on, he's so mad at his mom for making him dinner because it's a tuna <laughs> surprise. <laughs> fuck off! Shut the fuck up! I think I that him. is that is a great uh, that is a great catch. The tuna surprise line, like there's a runner of tuna surprise in that whole sequence. First, he yells at his mom, hey, tuna surprise. I just had, I worked today. Yeah. Not even a hello. Not even a thing. Not even you. a hello. Just like a fuck you for making tuna surprise. And then he that goes to get his. To run. <laughs> he goes to get his dad at the bar who is, you know, betting on fake horse races or real horse races and fake bets. Uh, and then he brings him home for dinner and he's like, oh, what's for dinner? And he's like, tuna surprise. And they both are like, ugh. And it's like, <laughs> Does it have a heart you cook. Yeah. You yeah. cook. What the fuck? Yeah. What, what is tuna surprise? Vince, did you look up tuna surprise? No, I know what it is. Have you, it's like hamburger helper, but for like tuna. You never had that? No. Is it, is it I forget a what, I think it has a name. Is it a casserole? But I, forget, I forget what the, the actual name is. I was assuming is. it's like a tuna casserole. No, it's like probably. a creamy, well, I, it's like a creamy pasta. Oh. It's like a it's like a mac and cheese mix, but you add tuna to it, basically. I, oh. I'm trying to remember. I used to eat this stuff, too, but I can't remember what it was actually called. Uh, I think surprise in a, as a, like, <laughs> yeah. as a menu item, something that's like something surprise. Tuna helper, yeah. Like I was thinking, Not it was good. tuna helper. I like, I, just the, I like the surprise. I'm, I think the more dishes should add surprise. I, I think for Spaghetti some reason surprise. I associate adding surprise to like, you know, as like, oh, there's something bad's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you say, "Here's your hamburger surprise," that's a good point. Here's your burrito <laughs> su- surprise. Here's your burrito yeah, I don't surprise. Be surprised you bite into it and it's a dick. Yeah. yeah. No, it's well. I don't know. I assumed it was like basically like tuna helper, but yeah. And tuna helper is yeah. It's like twisty pasta. Yeah, it's it's mac and cheese, but you put tuna in it. Basically, okay. there's a it's like there's uh, a flavor packet and some pasta. Yeah, it's a it's a blue collar uh, niçoise salad. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Akima was the one that said the opening quote. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kima said the. Uh, if, if I hear they, the music, I'm gonna dance. If I hear the music, I'm you gonna know what? dance. Same. Which I think is great because yeah. that line is uh, basically saying, um, "I just, I need to, I need to be beating up people on the street." Yeah, when called upon, I <laughs> will. Called, I will show up. <laughs> when called upon, I need to batter. Yes. A yes. civilian. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, 
that's the episode. If I had to give this episode a letter grade, I uh, well, yeah, solid B plus. Vince, what would you give this? Definitely a solid B plus. Okay, uh, Shireen, if you had to give this episode a letter grade, what would you give it? It has to be a solid B plus. I completely agree. Solid B plus episode of The Wire and a solid A plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Shireen Lana Yunus, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me. Um, my favorite, I forgot to mention this one thing. My favorite okay. part of the whole thing is when yes. uh, Stringer is studying. He says, <laughs> I got a midterm, I got to study. And he's wearing the sweater that says, live that life. And it's like this, <laughs> this cheesy, like weird sweater. I just, I just thought that uh, I just like that. I that do love that there touch. is like, th- there I remember, especially in the 90s, there were like gangster clothes that you would yeah. buy. Like any white guy could wear, like like white kid would be like, oh, I want to get the one that says thug life or like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, snitches get stitches on it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then like seeing adults wear it and you're just like, yeah. oh, that's weird. <laughs> right? Yeah. But no, that was that was funny to me. But thank yeah. you for having me. This was. Uh, I learned a lot, to be honest. Uh, Hell yeah. History happened, which I forgot about. So Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being on. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks for, for coming on. Listen to Ethnically Ambiguous wherever you get your podcast. Patreon.com slash broadcast. The $8 tier will get you a shout out. So if you pay $8 or above, hey, we're going to shout you out. Give you a street name. Uh, Vince, we have a few. Are oh, you ready? Jeez. I'm, I'll take that I'm, as always, a yes. I'm always ready. Okay. First is Henry Jordan. Oh. <laughs> oh man, Jordan. Mm. Jordan is great. Jor- Jordan. What do I? <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah, of. we call this. Sorry. We call this guy the Yoat. The Yoat? Yeah. Just like Michael Jordan is the Yoat. The goat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got it. Yeah, all right. He's the youngest okay. of all time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, next is Daniel Harp. Ooh, Harp. This guy, uh, we call this guy the Sheriff. I like wow. it. Yeah, he's up there just plucking on his... Just plucking on that harp. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, uh, $20 patron. Whoa, uh, whoa. John, John Gruber. Oh, man. I feel like you guys are thinking I'm going to go Gruber, but yeah, uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go uh, Die Hard because of uh, Hans Gruber. We call this guy Die Hard. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more left. We have Wyatt Wicks. Oh, yeah. We call this guy uh, <laughs> Wyatt Hicks. Wait, is it Hicks or Wicks? It's Wicks. Oh, did you screw that up at first? No, I said Wyatt Wicks. No, I said Wicks. Oh, okay. We call this guy uh, Quadruple U because, you know. Oh, this, I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Double, like double W's. No, no, I get it. Uh, and last, we have Yan uh, Huang. Yan Huang. Um, wow, we already got the Yot, so uh, 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 we call this guy to Wang Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. All right, we'll accept it. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I gave someone that nickname already, which is no, really weird. No way. <laughs> that is weird that you've given that name already. Uh, to Yan Hong is uh, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Is that what you? 
to Wong Fu. Well, because his last name's Wong. Wong, Fu, you know. It, it, do you pre- it's it's spelled H U A N G. I don't know. It could be Wong. Could be Wang. Or or Huang. How important is a H? Huang. I don't or know. Huang. All right, we're doing it. To Yan Huang, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Um, thank you, uh, everyone, for the uh, your $8 or more donations, uh, subscriptions. Uh, and uh, once again, if you have not get, heard your nickname for a while, uh, you know, please email us, frogcast at gmail.com, for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is a Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. Alrighty, Roo. Thanks again, everyone, so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Mm. One, two, three, four, five. Stringer's got the worst dope on the west side. Make Nalty see some fiends on the corner. He forces Bubs and Johnny Weeks to go and try and find Omar. Live show that we had last week made me too busy, so Vince chose the song for me. But Shireen also chose a different song for me. So now I'm worried that you're expecting two songs. So what can I do? I really beg you, my lord. I'm writing these lyrics off the top of my dome. Anything wire, it's all good. Let me dump it. And here's the synopsis. A little bit of Frankie, mad at Nick. A little bit of Zeke's Italian jacket. A little bit of Avon playing games. A little bit of D quitting the game. A little bit of Nicky squeeze the tit. A little bit of Jimmy doing fuckboy shit. A little bit of horse face playing dumb. A little bit of Omar's big shotgun. Fuck yeah, bitch. Fuck yeah, bitch. Uh, uh, Mambo number five. I fucking hate you, Vince. You did this to me. I, I didn't want to do it like this. I don't know this song that well. Probably one of those cases where people could be like, uh, you know, yeah, Matt, you, you know, take a day off. But do I do that? No. I work hard. A little bit. Hold on. Oh, did I miss the chorus? Um. Okay. Yeah. Yo, what up, bitch? My name is Blue Vega. Flap, flap, flap. Something bodega. Aaron, look at my hat. Look, you're real cool. I got a pencil mustache, and I'm not a fool. I'm Afro-Latino, I think. I mean, maybe it would explain the Mambo stuff. A little bit of sucking dick for fun. A little bit of bang bang pod your gun. A little bit of put dick in my ass. A little bit of fucking dicks inside dicks. A little bit of guys who do a song. A little bit of defense. Uh, 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 <laughs> a little bit of bitch booby doo. A little bit of I am. Going. Did people dance?
someone, someone fucked to this. Someone fucked to this. That's impressive. Do you think he just named a bunch of girls that he knew and was hoping to fuck, and then this song allowed him to have sex with them? I, that's what I think. Anyways, good for good for Lou Bega. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.